0: The Open Nesters podcast is a weekly
1: podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality and sexuality. We have Kit with us today to talk about some harder topics about legacy and loss. And she's just got a wise, wise heart. Let's
2: hear it from Kit Pappenheimer.
1: Welcome back to the Open Esters podcast. Kit Pappenheimer, who I interviewed with her darling husband about loving act three in our season two.
0: <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm the one of the luckiest people I know. I'm happy to be here, my dear. Nice to see you again.
1: You know, I feel that way about my life—the way I wake up every day—and I think that's such a matter of emotional, mental well-being, and how we go towards that at this stage of life. And a lot of your work, kit for living, and I love your website and how the work you've been doing for a while now around around legacy and 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 loss, legacy and loss, like two huge things in the world for us open nesters. So I really want to just. Take that breath with you to know that yeah, good dog, even good when job. there's chaos, there's like we have to hold all the nuance of the hardship. And right now, um, we're very connected through family with Israel <clears throat> and the loss of on many sides of this Israel Palestinian conflict for many years. But what is, what's happening right now is just so acutely difficult and painful. And it definitely brings up loss. So it's right now, and we're going to probably, it's going to go on for months, so I'm going to have this uh, this episode up soon. I might as well talk to you about real loss for a moment here.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so, so pressing and prevalent and in our faces in a way that maybe for many of us we haven't experienced before. So, so painful.
1: I mean, so loss in the world, like how people when they feel sometimes so overwhelmed or out of sorts or numb or the natural response we all have to the things that are the hardest in the world for us to face when we have to face them and sometimes we want to escape and the fight flight you know freeze and and this idea that we're trying to get away from that rather than how to face it and and no know, not knowing how to face it especially when we're far mm-hmm. from it yeah. and you can only a- ask and so It's some of the ways I think we help others grieve as well, as far as the caretaking role, even if you're not a full caretaker, how to support others. I mean, if you have thoughts about that, because...
0: Well, you you modeled it so beautifully. The, The first thing is to check in with your breath, your own life force, and to do whatever you need to do to connect to it all the time, but in particular in times of deep pain, um, it's, it's my belief that, and the reason, the main reason I do this work is that facing mortality our own, our neighbors, our children's, our beloved's, is in fact what gives us the reason to live presently in this moment today. And as you, you, know, as you stated, we have so many options to, to flee, to fight, to freeze and to choose to live, to choose to breathe into whatever it is you feel in this moment and not to have to act from that place. You know, I think post COVID, there was an expectation that we be resilient, that we, you know, we use our time well when we're at home and and we bounce back and what have we learned and, you know, some of that's bullshit. sometimes you just need to be with what is before you go anywhere next and i think that's a big part of learning to be with loss and to learning to be with the fear and learning to face mortality and death our own and you know those people around us who are facing it so much more closely than we are I heard the statistic this morning that there in 2023, there are 32 wars raging on this, on this earth. And there are so many, so many beings who are facing, um, having been forced from their homes or not feeling safe at home or facing violence. And how does anyone deal and live with that kind of tension? And it starts with your breath. It sounds so simple and I hope it doesn't sound, like it's you know minimizing it in any way all we have control over is this moment and our breath yeah
1: so that's what i'm feeling during now that's what i hope people can handle but it, it, and 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 we look for answers and we look to fix i mean that's sure, that's mm-hmm. certainly the next one fight flight freeze fix it so mm-hmm. f there like how we don't can't fix things and how to accept that we can't and that's why I love what you say about that we live the most by facing mortality. We can enjoy this present moment more and find joy underneath it. So, my dad just passed away a couple months ago. You probably don't even know that, but I, I, he celebrated life. He was a big, playful, adventurous man and he played the full keyboard of life. So, I talk about that I got that from him. Mm-hmm. And so, in his, in his law, lo- in his, in our loss of him, in his passing on, crossing over however anybody wants to hear his transition. I felt a sense of celebration of his life under the grief, a joy that was very present for me, partially because I've gone to two grief and dance workshops over the past retreat weekends over the past six months, Mm. getting myself ready to face it. And I'm a dancer like you are. So I don't want to get, and I have talked about dance on on the episodes, but but for other people who don't necessarily move their bodies, um, and yet they need to celebrate the joy in a way that gets them more present. What are some of the other? I mean, breath is the first. I mean, appreciating nature, I know, is so important. Like just the fact that we're in this cycle, right, of, of transition, just like the rest of, of nature.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, um, I hope you were with your father when he died or in close, close proximity to during that period. No,
1: no, I left that morning and he said, and I said goodbye, knowing I would, he was, he was already in a semi-conscious state and I said goodbye and he passed when we, when I landed
0: from mm. the airport that day and I flew back mm. that day, so. But you had closure with him, you I had, had. I had closure the with time him. with him at the end, that's beautiful. And I think, I don't, you know, I don't know what your father was speaking of, but most people, you know, they're not talking about the bills they didn't pay or the, you know, the dress they didn't buy or the this or the that the the trivia of our the minutia of our life they're appreciating you know that morsel of a chocolate brownie or that strawberry or they're appreciating the sun coming through the window and the 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 green leaves on the tree or watching the leaves fall or the feel of the wind and i think they're in that moment when you're dying when the life force in comparison to what is next is so, so rich and prevalent, if that essence can inform our lives now when we're awake and alive, if we can have that essence, that strength of life with us all the time, then we can live so much more fully. That's my tagline, live fully now with the end in mind. So it will end for all of us. And let it inform this moment. All those things that what I, what I focus on is, is all those things that are unsaid or undone or unresolved. You know, what can we do? What opportunities can we seize? The holiday season is a great time. A lot of folks have issues with their parents or parents with their kids. There's tension often in family relationships and, we're coming together at this time of year in different holidays and different occasions. What can we what can we take advantage take advantage of at this time to have this conversation or watch this video together or, you know, to take someone's hand that you haven't spoken with for a long time. What baby step can you take moving towards to heal before it's too late before that opportunity's gone. And those all come from conscious choices that sometimes
1: about how we're living within our own bodies and what, how we want to reach out to another in a way that lets them feel that they can be vulnerable in who they are. And it's so nuanced. It's it's like, it's a practice that we don't get automatically. And once again, we can't fix. And I have to say that again, because I never completely fixed my relationship with my dad, which was a strained one for many years. What I did is I went I went to the side and I found my gifts that I could give him and asked him if he wanted them. And I would meditate with him as he was somebody who never meditated before and did laughter yoga with him because he loved to laugh and make him laugh at silly things. And it brought back our spirit to be able to where we do connect. Mm, Even if I didn't heal and fix things that were really hard,
0: mm.
1: I don't feel, a, I feel a, a sense of the celebration of what he stood for and mm. how I was able to show up. And I think that was why I have, a, I overall have so much, have a lot of peace around his passing, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big piece of why what we have to learn in our lives, what we are best at, where our gifts are. Mm-hmm. So I'd like you to touch on that because I think that also um, touches on legacy. Well, first of all, difficult conversations, like, and I mean, logistically, just to get into this end of life thing again. Because I know you also help people deal with that kind of thing, like the conversation about advanced life directives. And and we did that with him beautifully in my with all four siblings. And we found a lot of, I mean, I helped lead that effort, and my sister and I in particular with my brothers. And we really were able to get him to tell us what he wanted, and it mm. really helped. Mm. So um, how do you help people that don't have any idea how to start that conversation? Mm.
0: Oh, Tessa, I want to meet you where you are in this moment to just model that because that was just such a beautiful share that you just shared about your experience with your dad, the laughter yoga and the meditation and and bringing him the gifts that you had to offer and meeting him where he was, where he could accept it. The, the notion of fixing a relationship, I, I don't mean to imply that we have to make it all come together before someone dies, just that the frame of death inform our, our next steps so that we move towards people instead of staying guarded and staying away and staying, you know, fortified in our righteousness. What can we do? And I think, you know, what's happening on the planet. It's just that situation is amplified, right? What can we do? What baby step can we take towards one another? just to move in the direction of peace of healing of love before, we before people no start longer? grinding, their direct, I mean that,
1: so that that is a legacy question um and we can go there now but and we we'll, uh, yeah I'd rather go I'd rather go just have you come back even though thank you for recognizing where I am and meeting me here too so mm.
0: thank you. Mm.
1: And because we have limited time on an interview, and I think it's important for people to know how to have the conversation about that advanced directive and, and the idea of, um, of you know, how they want it, end of life, that they want to.
0: So the way them. the way I, I approach it, um, advanced directives and the logistics and paperwork of end of life are often an in for folks who haven't considered their own mortality. And often um, folks of my generation, boomers, who are, having just gone through their own parents' uh, death and whether they've been, I mean, we have legacies, whether we have a conscious legacy or not, right? We are leaving a legacy. And a lot of us have learned from what our parents have consciously done or not done. And so then they they realize, oh, I don't want to do this to my kids, or I don't want to do this to the people who come after me, or I do want to do this. My parents modeled a beautiful way that I want to emulate, either way. Um, just Logis- the logistics of end of life advanced directives and um estate planning and living wills and all these these um very important documents which feel um, like a burden to many because there's a lot of things to figure out once you start looking at those paperworks and yet it is a way in to facing our mortality it's a starting place and so in my work i often um i'll do a general session about what is legacy and what does it mean to face our own mortality and consider our legacy. And then the next stage is really, what are the specifics that I need to consider? And that sort of grounds the conversation. And so instead of it being so monumental, what's my legacy? I don't know. I have to change my life. It's really, what do I need to think about? What do I have control over? What can I process with my loved ones with my partner with my kids with my friends with my community now and just step by step you move into it and i have um resources to share but mostly it's that people work in community with one another or with me one-on-one to consider some of these questions that they've been you know most people not wanting to jump into so can you name some of those questions say again can you name can you name some of those questions oh well um you know what is how do you want to be remembered how do you want to be at the end do you want to have certain people with you do you want to be in a certain place is there somewhere you want to visit are there things that are undone you know all sorts of um also, it's, it's different for every person. I, I present in advanced directives. I use the five wishes is a lovely advanced directive that breaks it down into five big categories and makes it manageable. Um, <clears throat> and But from those categories, people go off into their own tangents, their own questions that need to be resolved. And many of them have to do with relationships. You'd be surprised. It's not about stuff, though people definitely get Bogged down by their stuff, and what they do with their stuff can become a default legacy. Many people are left with um, their parents' things that have not been dealt with. Some people have are lucky enough to have an organized passing on of things, but not everybody. So, what do you, you know? We talk about that. What do you want to do with your things? What's your relationship to your stuff? And what of your things do you really feel is important? to pass on? And what do you do with the rest of it? That's a big conversation. That's a whole workshop in and of itself.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I know you, how much you focus on the spiritual piece. So I've actually done like an ethical will. I've done it with my besties who oh, live great. in different places, one on a different continent. And, I, and looking at what we want to pass on, on that bigger, beautiful picture of who we are is, mm-hmm. I mean, it can be overwhelming for someone to take a step in, but you're helping them take those, those tiny steps of first, maybe just as we said, facing the mortality of whether it's their parents or their own in, in a clear way is just, it makes us, it lets us know we do have limited time. And I said recently, I liked someone's expression who said, we have less to fear because we have less time ahead. And, and that, and, and for me, that doesn't mean it's urgent. It just means I have less to fear rather than living fearfully. It allows me to say, I have less time ahead. It's facing the fact that I want to step into more of my, of myself in, in the ways that I can manifest. Yes. Whatever that I want
0: to manifest in the world. Yes. And I, I feel compelled. I do want to make sure I say that this work, what drives me in this work, um, I have a background in death and dying through hospice work and studying thanatology and um, doing memorials through COVID, but a big part of what calls me is to redefine the, the path of aging and reclaiming it and reshaping it so that it's a rite of passing into elderhood in the same way other stages of our lives are rites of passage and honored and celebrated, our society doesn't do so well in this arena. And I feel really, really strongly that if we all in this generation can step up and own our aging process and claim our elderhood, we can redefine it for our society so that generations to come, our children's generation and their children, by the time they get there, there's no question that there's space for our wisdom to step through and shine and be, honored as it should be. And that's the legacy. Like to be able to influence
1: um, as an elder, it's beautiful feeling to know I can do that.
0: Yes. And And you do do it.
1: I can do that. And we do do that. Yes. I had this whole beautiful conversation around ageism with Ashton Applewhite. We've had two interviews and we just recently talked again about ageism. And it is such a, it is, it is, it, it, there's such a a depth of who we can be as we know what we want and we can integrate our wisdom more deeply. Mm. And mm. so so how do you help people do that? That's, that seems like a tall order. Like how do you help people integrate their wisdom and to step into their elderhood and help them with their belief systems that don't mm. want to, that they, oh, you look so good when you're, you know, you look so young. You, you, you know, all the young, young being the, the, the emphasis rather than wanting to step into our elder beauty.
0: Mm-hmm um there are several ways in i first of all i talk about the epigenetics of legacy and in that meaning and i've got air quotes around it for those people who are listening because epigenetics is still an undefined and unproven entity scientific entity but in fact i do believe that through our dna we have inherited qualities that we have from our parents which we then consciously or unconsciously pass on so there are familial and generational qualities that become our emotional legacies which i find really interesting so i talk about that um i do different activities to help people think about what their unique qualities are, what drives them in the world. You know, we spend time focusing on what is our wisdom? What do we have to offer? And it takes for us as, um, certainly as Westerners, as Americans, it takes a while to sort of redefine what wisdom is and what our, what our qualities that impact are. We're so geared towards financial success and materialism and, what you know, our society defines for us, what it means to make an impact. And I think it's a much broader lens that we've all lived into as we've lost our beloveds before us, our elders, those who have guided us. We know it wasn't about their stuff or where they lived or even how they spent their time as much as who they were. So when we're young, we're asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we're at this age, it's Who do you want to be as you die? So that shift from what will you become Mm. to owning who you are. I love that shift. I love it. So how have you? Where have
1: been the biggest shifts that you've seen in in some of your clients? Like, can you give me any kind of like anecdotes about how people have felt and how that's maybe how they've transformed some of that Mm. belief systems?
0: Um, Let's see. I I think that I feel some of the biggest angst from. Uh, women or men who are unpartnered, and women and men who are unpartnered and don't have children, I think they start to feel um, unmoored as they age, like what is their connection? How will they be remembered? Who will remember them? How will I be supported in my old age? I think it's a particularly um, wobbly time for that slice of, of the demographic. And I've seen, um I've seen people relax into our shared humanity as we all talk about our stories in our groups. And people realize, oh, my story is just one of all these stories. And we have a lot in common and we're unique, but we share this facing the end together. And so I think that's the biggest thing. I've seen people relax and accept the dying process, and the end-of-life process, and the end, which then gives them some sort of engine fuel to face where they're stuck in their life. It's not a very specific story. Um, you
1: know, some people, I mean, I would say the way people die, as you've always said, and we've been saying, is the way they live. So that's why it's, it's like... Being stuck in your life and doesn't always mean if you you know if you're unpartnered or if you don't have kids because here we have mostly people that do have kids on the podcast sometimes single and not partnered, but and some of them are estranged from their kids so they could have the same experience on some level that they don't have mm-hmm. a legacy to leave, but I think it's the getting unstuck like you just said relax so, it sounds so easy like you said about the breath like people always say when you say to relax I can never relax like, what relaxes us to know and to help us integrate our wisdom. And maybe it is somebody who has to express it through writing and through art and giving them spaces to, so we, you and I maybe dance more, but having a space to, I think, uh, express it and then find community with it, Which what you just said in your, in your, in, when people
0: tell our stories, I think that can be a really essential. Mm-hmm. To not feel alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah have shared experience. My experience with people when they get there is then they sort of cull their lives there, they have a way of sorting through the um, what's not necessary anymore, whether those are friendships, or people in their lives or responsibilities they can let go of or committees that they're on, so that things become more focused and prioritized, what is really really important to me that I want to put my wholehearted energy into now. And we always
1: hear that when people are diagnosed with an illness. So you, I know you're probably dealing with some of those as well. So what do you have, tell people when they first have a diagnosis? I mean, to me, that seems like, I mean, it combines loss and legacy in so, in so way, so much of a, mm-hmm. a poignant way that I love that you do coaching specifically around that. And I... Mm-hmm. So, how do you help someone? And do you have clients that you could say someone came to you, and how that maybe helps them shift into that?
0: I have a, a gentleman in our groups now who is in that situation. He's in. He's a he's a very evolved human, and he has done a lot of his own personal work. And is in just a beautiful, beautiful place, and has joined um, has joined the group for support um in sharing his story and also hearing how other people are facing their own mortality i think he's just the most he's just cracked open but you in, in, in response to your question what do i say to people i think my biggest practice is not to say but to just draw people out and give them space for them to hear themselves give voice to what is within them that hasn't been heard yet i don't have a lot of insight into their experience they have the insight so my job is really to listen and to ask good questions.
1: And ask this this big question is who is it that you wanna be as you grow? Towards? Or who are you now? Who are you now? Who are you now? Who are you now and as we grow into our into the
0: legacy we want to leave? Like that's it's right now because it's now. I think that's that's a really important piece. We're often focused forward. What do I need to change? Who else do I need to be? What else do I need to do or acquire or see or bucket list? You know, I'm a little bit more about the hell with that. You know, who are you in this moment? Who are you right now? Just settle tomorrow.
1: And that that brings us so back to this loop of how we started with the uncertainty in the world and what Mm -hmm. definitely people went through with COVID and loss and, and war and this the horrible hatred that we don't want—that we want to breathe more love into the world—and rather than accepting the the fear and the hatred, mm-hmm. so, but that only can come when we are grounded in who we are right now. Mm-hmm. So, I yes. mean, I do feel like that is and uh, the essential component. So, I mean, if there, is there any, is there anything else you would say to people around their kids at this stage, adult kids that you would that you've seen that would inform this stage of life that would be helpful to as our kind of or any other last any other last uh, things that you'd like to convey you
0: know i i know that your listeners have huge hearts and are full of love and i just hope they're shining their big-hearted light and love on their kids in these crazy turbulent times and encouraging their kids to find what makes them happy you know, it's not about what we do or what we produce or what we become. It's who we are in this moment and whether we can love ourselves and accept ourselves and then shine our light on others. You know, we don't need to make it so complicated.
1: And it's not like what you said. It's almost a reminder of it's not about we don't inspire others by by talking about ourselves. We inspire others by by inspiring them about them, who they are. Yes, so giving them space to be giving them are. the space to be that. So as as we do that with our children, I do see my own kids shining more, and I do hope that people out there are allowing them to not be a certain thing that they expect, and that's very helpful. Okay, so let us know how we can reach you in these last few minutes of our conversation, so people can hear, and you can- um, and and is there any other? Are you have any events coming up, or any other new groups that you're putting together that you that people can have a date for?
0: I have two ongoing groups and they're both listed. The dates are both on my website. One is Mortality Matters, letting the now illuminate the end and excuse me, letting the end, illuminate the now and beyond possessions, passing on what really matters. So the one is the first class on mortality. The workshop is in four parts. We meet online. It's a small group. It's an intimate group. And that's an ongoing, um, ongoing registration for those, they continue. And the second one is more focused on our relationship to our things. And I talk about legacy gifts and how we can form relationships that are things that are meaningful and pass on what matters and get rid of what doesn't. So it's more of a focus on the material legacy that we leave, but also including Deciding for ourselves what matters and information on both those groups and on individual coaching or group presentations that I offer on, on my website, kitforliving.com. And I hope to see you all there. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Tessa.
1: Oh, thank you again. I loved seeing you. So stay on for a moment so we could chat.
2: Well, that was a, certainly a tough. Uh, subject to discuss tessa
1: yeah it is this is this is part of the the the, the real topics that are are hard and real in the open Esther stage
2: but they are real and they are relevant to the open esters and personally i also had struggled uh, dealing with my own mortality and uh, the you know what's going to happen with the legacy and i th- really believe that once i really start taking care of the estate, the wills, the living wills, uh, the power of attorneys, uh, everything else that we needed to th- leave behind, I think that uh, I kind of like I felt a lot better. And I think there's a responsibility of anybody in the open nesting stage to take care of these things and basically have a lot of more peace of mind. Uh, in that process to know that uh, those things are taken care of because, you know, it's kind of selfish not to take care of it and saying, well, you know, I'm going to leave it to uh, whoever left behind to deal with. And that is, uh, sometimes it's uh, become an issue. Probate courts and uh, documents that are not filled up correctly, accounts, bank accounts that they need to be all of a sudden are locked, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. So, Taking care of business prior is really take care of the uh, your, your your loved one.
1: Absolutely, but for, that's the first step. As she even comes in, and I believe too, that we are um, beyond our possessions, and the only way we can have maybe some peace of mind is if we relax by having that done. So we can also consider what is our what is it that we're leaving as far as how ethical it is uh, what is g- it. I agree with that too. So um, she, you know, she talks about this this idea of. What you said at the you said at the beginning of mortality, and we crack when we crack open that kind of vulnerability about our mortality. It's not an easy thing to then say, you know, just like just like when you're dealing with grief and you're trying to deal with joy. There's sometimes a disassociation between the two because you're you're dealing with such deep emotions. And mm-hmm. the the end of our lives is something that we don't look at, but when we can find some peace around, yes, the logistics, but also in who we are and if we have been heard. If we have been heard, if our voices have been heard, which is beyond possessions, then we've given what we are gifts to the world, and that's a legacy that, to me, is what feels most important.
2: Well, the legacy part is, is a real big issue, and we can talk about it for a long time, you know, she said it very quickly, uh, very clearly, uh, who are you right now? And uh, what do you need to change in order to leave the legacy that you're really looking for? So uh, there's a tough question that she, she raised. And, you
1: well, know, well, she doesn't say to ask that question right up front. What do you need to change? It's actually, I think being in how touch How do you
2: want to be remembered? That was a question. So if you want to remember in a certain way and you're not that person, then there is some change that needs to be done.
1: But that has to be narrowed down because that's an overwhelming task. Of course, of course.
2: Task, I mean, yeah. that's what I'm saying. The subject uh, is really a uh, very... You know, very large and we're not going to cover it over here in the summary of this particular episode
0: no we're not
1: but our legacies are something that we continually can think about how that can evolve and so just giving it the thought is what we were hoping this episode does for you is just to open the thinking of what where where do I want to step into making sure my relationships are as clear as I can and so that my heart is as open to becoming who I am in the moment because all we have is this moment
2: if speaking of the moment, uh, please visit our website, theopennestors.com that double N in the middle, S at the end. Please leave us a comment. Tell us what you like to hear. Tell us uh, about if there's anyone that you think uh, may be a good candidate to be interviewed on the open Nestors and tessa you can tell them about the subscription and the well, other subscribe so-
1: if you could subscribe to our podcast exactly. it really helps and because we love we really appreciate how much you've helped us grow and and please continue to share and we really do thank you for joining also Absolutely. social media if you're not there go to our the open Nestors on instagram and love your comments in our closed facebook page so ask and we'll let you join that
2: Till next time. This is Amir. This is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao.
0: You have been listening to The Open Nestors podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Krohn. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound web design, and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email Tessa at theopennesters.com.